um, maybe sending a clock with these hooded figures to, to, to give it to Charlotte. Why, I'm not sure. Um, but uh, yeah, this, this, uh, this montage was the moment that my future Mickle theory uh, kind of evaporated because as soon as he said no, I was like, oh, damn it. Welcome to the After Dark Podcast with Anthony James and Conrad. Episode 4, Double Life. Make sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Hello and welcome to the After Dark Podcast with me, Anthony James and Conrad. Hello! That's Conrad. This is the podcast where we take Conrad through dark episode by episode. He's never seen it before and we get to know what he thinks. And most importantly, we get to hear his theories, which is what we're all here for. I know that. Right, Conrad, how's your week been this week? Uh, It's been very, very good. Thank you. How's yours been? My week has been, it's always good. Always good. Um, It's warm. It's a hot week. Yeah, it was it was quite warm. Well, actually, yes, I think yesterday was quite warm, but then it started raining as well in the afternoon, in the, in the evening time. That's that's the way it is in the UK, UK and Ireland. I'll tell you what as well. My my dark experience this week has mirrored the temperature in that things are heating up in in old in old Conrad's mind. Yeah, <laughs> I've blown it wide open. Except in dark, actually, it's always raining. That's true. Yeah, it's like um, it's like Tim Burton's Gotham, where it's always kind of dark and raining. Yeah, exactly. As I said last week, we're trying our hardest to get it up on podcasting apps. Bear with us. It'll be there before 2022. Right. Uh, <laughs> thank you very much to the comments. We had a lot of responses to what Vixen means in German. A lot of responses. Oh, I'm yeah. Not- these are the ones I these are the ones I actually did see. Yeah, well, these, of course, these drew your attention, Conrad. Yeah. Uh, but uh, it's very rude. So basically, apparently Vixen means masturbation, I suppose. Nice. Good, good one. 80s Ulrich. Yeah, and uh, what I really enjoyed about it was that so many people were willing to give us that information. They, I know. They, they, they were jumping at the keyboard, you know? Barely anyone misled us by the looks of things as well. Like, I, I would have taken that opportunity to feed us all kinds of misinformation. But... Yeah. yeah, no one's actually trolling us in the comments, which is fantastic. Yeah. I know, yeah, that's what I would be doing too, just making up random stuff. <laughs> or maybe, maybe they're all group trolling us. Yeah, that's true. We can't. We have no way of verifying. If only there was some kind of shared network where we could check what what Vixen actually means in German. But yeah, such but a thing doesn't exist. I don't know. There used to be something called Ask Jeeves. Is that still about? <laughs> it might be. Uh, maybe Ask Jeeves. Is he still alive? I don't know. All right. Anyway, let's get into it. What do you think? Yep. Let's do it. Oh, let's break it down. So episode four opens with a montage with a voiceover of an old man. And he yep. says, black holes are considered to be the hell mouths of the universe. Those who fall inside disappear forever. But where to? What lies behind a black hole? Along with things, do space and time also vanish there? Or would space and time be tied together and be part of an endless cycle? What if everything that came to from the past was were influenced or was influenced by the future and then we get Helga Doppler in his little with his little uh, lovely checkered blanket over his knees tick tock tick tock 
There's, what do you think? Oh, this, int- this intro sequence is almost unfair with the amount of information it gives you because it's, it's like they know that the people watching this aren't going to be native German speakers. Yeah. So you're having to like, read the subtitles because there's a lot of information being hinted at in the subtitles. And meanwhile, there's a huge amount of very suggestive imagery on the screen as well. I, I didn't even try to go through what the images were. I don't, uh, even, don't even have them in front of me. I'm not even going to try. You can, you can I, do that. I, I've gone down. Okay, so first things first. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know if this is actually Tanhouse talking. I, I'm I'm still struggling to sort of separate out my my sort of gruff was, voice. I was gonna I, I was gonna ask you who did you think it was? Yeah, so I think it's actually Tanhouse. Okay. Um, but I, we've I, only I, actually heard him speak once. I think. Yeah, just just for the record, I know this is a this is doesn't have a video in this podcast, but I'm actually wearing my HD Tanhouse A Journey Through Time T-shirt right now. Yeah. Nice, which I can confirm uh, you do own. I have seen it. <laughs> yeah, fantastic. Uh, right. That's one thing I noticed about listening from last week's episode. I say fantastic a lot. Well, I mean, it's a good word. I know. It's a fantastic word. Right, keep going. Um, so, yeah, first off, okay, I'm going to take a dive into some, into some lore here. So he's talking about Hellmouths, which first I was yeah. like, oh, is this going to be like a Doom adaptation <laughs> because we're talking about Hellmouse. This is going to be like Hell on Earth. It's going to be a cyber demon in Vinden. Ulrich's, um, Ulrich's face at the bottom of the screen. Getting yeah, yeah. he does look a bit like the Doom guy, actually, Ulrich, to be <laughs> honest. Um, but, okay, so there is uh, first a close-up. I can't actually remember where you see it, but it's of something that looks like a Celtic knot. Um, like which the is the triple, like the trifecta. Yeah, triple, it's a yeah. tricular or something. But it's obviously not just Celtic. Tetra. It's also yeah. it's also like Norse and Northern European. Mm-hmm. And I started thinking about that, and then I thought about where you often see that imagery, and it's often in like Norse religious uh, and kind of mythological texts. Mm-hmm. And it got me thinking about Enos's tree box and Ooh. how. I think Ninus's tree box has the, it's not a Celtic knot, but I'm going to have to call it a Celtic knot because I can't remember the proper name for it mm-hmm. um, on it as well. And I think there might be some Yggdrasil stuff going on here with like a world tree that connects the nine worlds. Um, that's kind of the, the dive that I went down in this, but it's the, uh, this intro is ridiculous. There's just so much in it. Yeah, there is, yeah. And then, and Helga as well. I know I gave him a hard time last episode <laughs> and I stand by it. Uh, he never rose above sweeping graffiti off the floor which says something about his competencies also he he wasn't doing a very good job of that either he was doing a terrible job of it it didn't didn't even look like it was wet to be honest but um he knows what's up and trying to figure out what he knows throughout this episode is maddening Um, yeah i'm trying to think if there's anything else in this intro oh there's the old stereo uh with the wooden figures on the shelves so i was trying to figure out where and when that was and i was also looking for it in this episode with no luck but uh there's so much of this intro yeah and uh one thing i will say if helga goes on a walk through the woods you know something's up yeah yeah helga doesn't walk blithely yeah he has a a sixth census man um yeah cool there was also some cool comics up on a up on the wall um i don't know just thought i'd mention those uh just something that stuck out to me uh, we saw again the uh, where is or when is Mickle um, yeah. again. I think there was also a bit of the stranger as well, but I don't. I can't quite remember what he was doing in in the intro. But, he was but, just staring at the comics on the wall. I think. Oh, was he okay? Yeah. But oh, it's implied he was. But um. But so yeah. Where, th- so gone. So where was where was that then? Was was that? Well, that's the question. Exactly. That is the question. But I mean, the, I, I will say this now: the 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 sort of inner thought process of seeing the Celtic knot 
to Enos's tree box to Yggdrasil led me to a realization which I'll probably get into at the end of this episode but I'm I'm fairly confident it's right and I'm fairly confident that I've just I've, I've blown dark wide open here you've solved the puzzle <laughs> I've already. solved dark I have I've cracked it I know how this series ends you are Mikkel and dark is the Rubik's Cube yeah you've solved Done. it uh, before we leave podcast this over. <laughs> yeah, podcast over see you later guys <laughs> Before we uh, leave this opening montage um, and sort of voiceover, I just wanted to say last week we did a bit of a discussion about the reclaiming of the uh, montage from rom-coms and things for this, for this series, how it does a really good job of summing up the episode for you, letting you breathe. And it sort of reclaims that in a dramatic way. I wanted to mention here as well, I think this show also does the same for voiceover. Now, I know we've only seen it a few times, but it is something that will come back and come back. And voiceover, I think, is something that has also been relegated to like the start of a teen comedy, you know? Yeah. So it was the summer holidays, right? <laughs> yeah. Record like, scratch. Yeah. You know, like a Baba O'Reilly. Bum, bum, yeah. Bum, bum, bum. So I think, I think that is something to look out for as well. I think they did a really good job. I like the intrigue of not really knowing who's speaking, speaking yeah. in tongues of science of some sort. Yeah, um, totally. I just think they do a really good job of it. What do you think? Yeah. I mean, I think, um, voiceover is often considered to kind of be quite it's a bit like a zoom like it's quite immersion breaking for mm -hmm. the audience which i don't actually agree with at all for either of those um but that's i think that's kind of the modern wisdom on it is that as soon as you have a voiceover you're kind of taking the audience out of it and and um making them look at look at um what's going on on the screen through like a, a veil of separation but i think that's kind of the intention here um mm -hmm. because you're kind you're almost like watching all of this sort of semi voyeuristically because it's hard to know like where you are and when you are and whether you're kind of there with these characters or whether yeah. this is all because it plays so sort of fluidly with the idea of time. It's not it, it, the, sort of, the central premise isn't that you're kind of witnessing these events as they're happening necessarily. Maybe, maybe that's completely wrong, but that's the sort of sense I get from the show. And, and I, I think it's a really good way of sort of disseminating information while also sewing more mysteries and, and throwing out, hooks because as i say this i had to watch this intro no joke probably about four or five times just because there was so much in it <laughs> that yeah. i was like going back and scribbling notes down as uh, as it was going on mm -hmm. and if you wanted to say something other than oh it was really cool you really need to, to watch it that many times yeah, but, yeah um just to add what you're saying about like not really knowing if we're seeing these characters in the story in the present or whether we're sort of detached from that and we're looking at it quite voyeuristically i think that is sort of as well backed up by the idea that we've seen some of these characters in their younger forms when they're in the eighties and we sort of know what they turn into. So especially even, I know it wasn't an episode, but when we're watching them in the eighties, you really do get that sense of, well, we know where they're ending up. So this almost in a way doesn't feel like we're watching a story unfold. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah, it does feel like we're watching past and present sort of thing all at once. Yeah. But yeah. It's, it's an interesting uh, feeling when you're watching a show anyway. Opening credits, then we get the name of the episode, Double Life. Yes. Double Life. Um, right. Uh, not much to say about that. We'll see if there's any themes as we go through. Now, then we get a scene, well, the first sort of main scene of the episode, I suppose, is in the Doppler household. And it is basically a setting up for what is, could I, I think you could refer, as, refer to as the Doppler episode of Dark. So this, this video is very Doppler family-centric, I find. Yeah, definitely. Um, and it's, it's quite good because we haven't really got an insight into this family yet. Francisca's sort of been a mysterious character so far. We've got a bit of Peter looking guilty and praying. 
We've seen Charlotte at work, but now we're actually getting to see the inner workings of the family. I thought it was great. So it starts off with Francisca storming down with a lot of attitude into the room. She's so angry. So angry. Her little sister has taken her lipstick, she thinks. And she's screaming and she's screaming and she's screaming. I I love the acting with the sign language at the same time. Yeah. I I also love the fact that she shouts as she's walking out of her room, which is clearly not for Ellie because Ellie is deaf mute. Uh, It's for her her mum and dad, which really struck me as the kind of thing that a teenager would do. (laughs) Like, if I'm pissed off, I'm waking up everyone in the house to let them know. Look what she has done, right? Yeah. Um, Yeah, so... Another interesting part of this this scene, this was very similar, I found, to the uh, opening of the Nielsen family in the first episode with the one long camera shot. Now, this wasn't as long a camera shot, but it was a similar sort of dance around the family um, to introduce us to them. So Charlotte and Peter emerge from separate bedrooms. Yeah. Um, so we learned that they've been they're having trouble in their marriage. They're separate in separate bedrooms. Or maybe Peter was just doing his morning prayer. We're not sure. But um, <laughs> so then uh, they sort of, come down into the main area of the house the living room uh francis is going mad at, at uh, ellie and then uh there was a great little bit of a dialogue between charlotte and elizabeth oh yeah where, where charlotte is uh speaking about mickle or and elizabeth says do you know who stole him that's the yeah <laughs> and then uh elizabeth makes a reference to vixen <laughs> oh does she make a reference to that i didn't catch that yeah she makes she calls Mickle a jerk off. Oh, I thought she said it was a show off. Okay, for like that's well, that's very rude. Then. Oh no, sorry, a, sh- a show off and a jerk. Yeah, show off and a jerk. That's but right. Did, but did you catch the? Uh, but it was definitely Vix- vixen esque. The uh, the sign language for jerk. Yeah, she she looked like she was doing the jerk off motion with her hand, and I don't know enough about international sign language to know whether that's a legit sign or whether she, that's a little little bit of flavour that Ellie's thrown in there herself. Yeah, but also if if she was speaking, what's the word? Uh, hang on, hang on, hang on. I'm not going to ask that question. Our, our comments are too full of this. We need to stop stop getting the comments <laughs> yeah. full of full of this subject. <laughs> right. Okay. So, uh, any any uh, comments about this scene at all? Or? Um. So Ellie is great. She's great throughout this entire episode. Uh, she the, the and there are two things I I really want to hone in on with her. When um Francisca says um and this <laughs> this is. I'm almost certain that this is completely wrong. But when Francisca says to her that um, she doesn't buy her sort of doughy-eyed, deaf mutes or deaf-dumb act, and Ellie smiles in a way that is incredibly evil, my first thought was, she's not actually deaf and dumb. (laughs) So... I'm I'm fairly certain that's wrong, but I'm sticking to my guns on that one. I'm like I'm waiting for her to be revealed as some evil mastermind. And the theme of the young children somehow plotting against the adults in this town does come back later in this episode. So you but think she, that from brilliant. from from birth she was able to fool everyone? Yeah, she's she's like a she's like a, a sort of Stewie Griffin type character, <laughs> where she's she's like a criminal mastermind. That I'm telling you that smile had all the hallmarks of a sociopath to me but um no ellie is great and francisca i i i agree with what you said this is very much like the doppler episode and it's it's frustrating in a way because it 
kind of really really drills down on these char- characters and kind of pulls back a bit on the the sort of broader story stuff for mm-hmm. the most part but at the same time it's really nice to get a look at charlotte who's a really interesting character seymour francisca who is a really interesting character and get introduced to ellie as well who's who's brilliant i love ellie yeah um i will just say now for as we're going through now I, I i'm a you know i'm a 29 year old man i don't really play favorites that's more of like a five-year-old thing like <laughs> you know there's no such thing as a favorite color right but um but i would say that elizabeth is one of my favorite characters in this whole show like if those two characters if you put a gun to my head and said give me your two favorite characters it would be elizabeth and claudia they're my two favorite characters in the show um it's not really important for you to know that going forward, but you know, you might like to know it. So they're they, definitely strong front runners for me at the moment, those two. Yeah, exactly. So uh, I, there's, I, especially Elizabeth, like Elizabeth had so much personality from the yeah. get go, you know, and, and she's like the one who doesn't speak as well. So it's really impressive what this young actress is able to do. Yeah. And, she's, she's like, it's really hard as well to play a brat, not brat. Elizabeth isn't like totally bratty, but she has some kind of, bratty qualities but it's really hard to strike that balance of being kind of a typically bratty i don't know how old she is like 10 or something like that um without actually being annoying um but she gets it perfect like so later in the episode when things become a bit more perilous for her like you feel sorry for her or you feel worried for her Mm -hmm. um because this actress just perfectly gets that uh, gets that balance right yeah it's it's great right then we get uh jonas having a look at his maps uh there is um uh, a subtitle that comes up which says where is the crossing yeah again Jonas is going into the bloody caves this sort of supports your theory that you had about this there being some sort of thin place or crossing within the caves uh, yeah I would say what do you think yeah I, I think there's well if we'll get more into this a bit later all I'm going to say is I, I, I know that that was Michael's theory and that's kind of what's um led into me having the theory of it but it's it started having some holes poked in it this episode and i'll get i'll get but i i I know that yeah jonas definitely believes that and and michael obviously believed that as well so you're thinking that there may be a touch of unreliable narrator in this show possibly okay that'd be well that 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 is a great uh feature so we'll see yeah (laughs) Who who knows who knows i do right um moving on so we get, that, oh, it's actually sort of a, a continuation of the same scene, I suppose. Jonas then like, sort of goes downstairs. He's on the way to school. And Hannah um, is clearly oh. having, having a bit of a hard time at the minute because Ulrich's left her. Um, she seems to be having a harder time than, than when her, she, her husband died. But um, Yeah, she does. She just, she just seems like she has all the hallmarks of depression here. <laughs> she just... Yeah. She it's like ten o'clock in the morning or whatever, and she's just sitting in a dressing gown, smoking at the breakfast table. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, what what is going on? Her legs are underneath her jumper. Yeah. But um, and then she she asks her son to bunk school. Um, yeah, yeah. And I, I'm gonna get more into the dub in what the dub, but there was a funny moment here where uh, maybe it just didn't translate correctly. I don't, I don't not sure. But Jonas, as he was walking out, and Hannah said, "Why don't you stay off school?" He turned around and he said, um, "Mother." right like as in like it would have been absolutely fine if he went mom you know what i mean but he went mother <laughs> and it just it just read so strange like um but obviously it was mistranslated or the, it's, mood, it's, the mood wasn't hit it's uh well that wouldn't be the first time on the dub to be <laughs> yeah, honest yeah, um it's interesting that he lies to her though 
you know, oh, well, he implies he's like, uh, he sort of lies to her without explicitly lying because he implies that he's going to school when he's actually yes. going off into the caves. Yeah, yeah um, exactly. Yeah. That's good catch. Good catch. I guess, I mean, would Hannah care? I don't know. Like, it's, she'd probably have an issue with him going, bunking school to go hang around in the caves rather than keeping his mum company, I guess. Yeah, she'll feel left out. Yeah. You know, come with that, him. Yeah, she should go with him in the caves. So the next scene, we see Helga and Peter in the old folks home and uh, we get confirmation, I think for the first time earlier in this episode when, through dialogue, but I think we get confirmation that Helga is Peter's dad. Yeah. So before this, we, I don't think you actually le- legitimately 100% knew if it was Charlotte's dad or Peter's dad. Maybe you did, but if, if we did, it was such a subtle line, but this is where we get full-blown confirmation of that. Um, so he's sitting there, Helga, having a bit of a stress out, saying, I have to tell him, have to tell him. It has to stop. Tick tock, mm. tick tock. Who do you think the him is that he's referring to? Um, I, I think, I'm trying to think back to this point in the episode, because by the end of it, I kind of, you, you kind of have heard a name and formed a theory. Yeah. I, think I, yeah. I think I probably thought it was the hooded guy um, who's putting up the when is nickel stuff in Regina's hotel, okay. even at this point, before we had a name to possibly associate with that guy. Okay, interesting. Uh, I think you just let something slip there, but uh, <laughs> little, 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 little tease out there about what your theory might be. Yeah. Uh, okay, cool. Uh, so the next scene, which is more Elizabeth and more Charlotte. Uh, Elizabeth is uh, in the back seat. Charlotte's driving. Charlotte pulls over because she notices that there's a uh, wildlife or what I expect is a wildlife camera of some sort um, in a box on the side of the road. She gets out. She takes the memory card out of it. There was a great moment in this scene whenever like Charlotte, let's not forget is the chief of police doing yeah. it. And, and Ali, whenever she sees her mom going and starts breaking open the box, Ali sort of sits up straight and looks around as if like, let me check if anyone's watching. Although <laughs> <laughs> yeah. oh, there were so many great bits in this scene, actually, like first off Ellie's Fox hat is great. Just let me put that out there. And then yeah, Ellie's acting as if she's covering for her mum while she commits a crime on this, like or doesn't commit a crime, but commits something a little bit dodgy on this deserted country road and then when uh charlotte actually gets the gets the wildlife camera box open there's the there's a really funny uh sound effect they use like they use like a really st- uh, sort of stock uh great opening sound effects um for, for her actually lifting the top off it which made me laugh and just oh, the fact she I didn't spotted it that. as well yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's, it's like a really standard stock side effect it's sort of like um it's like up there with like the wilhelm scream as something that you hear in loads of different stuff and it really made me laugh is it um, is, think, is it actually an editing like in joke like uh, the wilhelm scream probably yeah probably i'm almost is, certain yeah. it would be because they didn't need to put it in it just made me laugh but um yeah. yeah and the fact she spots that wildlife box while she's driving like, she clearly wasn't paying attention to the road <laughs> yeah Exactly. Uh, yeah, but that's, that was a great little scene. And Ali sort of telling her off as well. And Charlotte saying, it's evidence. It's not stealing. Yeah, they have a weird relationship, actually. Like, th- there's, um, a, well, w- we'll get into it, I guess, when, uh, when, when they say goodbye at school. But, but throughout... We can, talk about um, that we can talk about that now, yeah. Well, just like, yeah, the way they say goodbye to each other. And then this scene here. Um, and also uh, their interaction in the, the opening scene and in the, the Doppler household. Like, 
it seems like Ellie almost like wears the pants in this in this household, really. Like she's she's like nine years old and she runs the runs the family. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. She's definitely full of the full of personality to do so. Yeah. Uh, and I actually made a note. I actually said that she's very confident as well. Like it sort of plays into that as well because the way she just comes out to says to her mom as well. Oh, that's Yasin. We're dating. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, she's got no reservations about it at all. Yeah, exactly. So she's just like, you know, most most girls that age or most children that age, because I can remember that age myself, you wouldn't want to really talk about that sort of thing with your parents, but uh, she's right out there with it. Yeah, so. she doesn't mind. Yeah, either she's uh, no, either she's like too far gone from the innocence or she's just too innocent to care. Um, right, so we sort of skipped the scene there, so we'll just briefly go over it. Jonas goes into the cave, and then the stranger is standing behind a tree, uh, perfectly lined up for the camera. Thank you, stranger. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, he's checking his watch. Mm. Yeah, does, the, the he, time being relevant seems yeah. seems important. <laughs> what do you think about that? Well, I don't really have any theories about it, okay. because I, I don't... This guy... As we'll find out later in the episode, this this guy and his and his gang of people, however many there are, gang of fellow hooded folk, they must they know something, and they're they're working together to 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 do something to do with, I guess, sending people back in time or doing something like that. I think mm-hmm. um, this isn't my big theory, so I don't I don't mind revealing bits of it here. But it's so it's interesting that he's checking his watch as Jonas, as Jonas rather is going into the caves. Cause they must know something about either when the thin place is there or, or mm. something along those, or maybe they've seen this before and they're, they're like Jonas doing this exact thing before in another timeline. I'm okay. not sure hundred percent, but it's, it's very interesting that he checks his watch. Yeah, it is. And the way he pulls his arm up as well, he's like, make sure it's at a 90 degree angle. And yeah, yeah, it's a very, it's a very sort of military action. That, yeah. Right? Sort of just make sure everyone can see this and it's all very formal. Yeah, exactly. Uh, okay, cool. We're back in school and uh, Magnus decides to drop in on like sort of a physics lesson. It's, <laughs> yeah. well, I, th- I think it's actually a literature lesson. Yeah, it's English literature. They're, they're talking about Faust, uh, talking about uh, Goethe. And, or German, uh, Ger- German, li- German literature, I suppose. Not, not yeah. English. But um, yeah, so do you have any, I think it's, it's, it's going to come up in a YouTube comment question later, but do you have any que- comments on what the teacher was reading about in this scene? So I actually read a bit of this, or I read the thing that he's reading from. So it's it's the it's a poem called "The Sea Voyage" by Goethe. Oh, you had actually, um, you'd actually read this before? Uh, no, so I've I've read Faust, which okay. Goethe wrote, um, which is like um, it, it's kind of apocryphally um, used to describe like the Robert Johnson. Yeah. meeting the devil at a crossroads and selling your soul for a guitar uh, to play guitar kind of thing mm-hmm. i don't know if this is gonna i don't know if the faustian stuff is going to come into dark at all but that's that's why i started reading about it the sea voyage i i, I wasn't sure it was yeah it was hard to really unpa- unpick what he was saying it's obviously important because otherwise it wouldn't be in the script uh, and certainly what the teacher's saying about it's the doubling um the sort of beginning and an end matching each other i guess maybe just thematically it it is leaning into what um hg townhouse kind of says throughout this episode about things having a fixed beginning and end and then being effectively mm-hmm. the same thing um whether there's more to it than just the the sort of themes i'm not sure but it was it was another one of those scenes like the intro where it just gets you thinking and gets you kind of analyzing what you've already seen yeah that's pretty cool and like you know, as you say, it might just be a thematic thing. Yeah. Um, so obviously the commenter want, wanted to uh, 
look into that a little further, but um, I'll mention them by name later. And then we'll just say we've answered this one just because I can't remember what the name was now, but just to give them the credit of that question, yeah, sure. they, they just want to know. Uh, so um, well, one thing I, I wanted to mention about this scene was just uh, how, how like the teacher just backed down immediately. Yeah. Like so, Magnus just waltzes on in. Yeah. Magnus, you're in the wrong class. Are you going to continue? Yeah. Do go on. It's like, no, on. Magnus, get out. Yeah, just just leave the classroom, please. Uh, <laughs> no, I'd like I'd like extra literature, literature please. Uh, anyway, I thought just thought it was an interesting thing to note. Uh, we then we get um, I don't know if it's com- confirming certain things you were speaking about. Oh, uh, yeah, uh, def- oh my god! Like even down down to like uh, even talking about ornithology and stuff, it seems yeah. to be sort of confirming a few things. Okay, so uh, we get a pathologist cutting open a bird. I found what, what was interesting is they, uh, Charlotte and Ulrich seem to have different pathologists that they go to. Yeah, different animal dissector people. Well, the, well, the, the one with the glasses was in the oh, 80s. He was in that, the 80s, wasn't yeah, he? Yeah, but, that's Egon. Okay, fair enough. But, the, but this, remember, Ulrich went to the human pathologist. So they, they actually, oh, yeah. they must be, a, they must, this actually must be a specialized vet pathologist. Yeah, I, I would assume this is a vet. Yeah, so um, basically there's white spots on the bird, which they learn sort of came about after Chernobyl. Um, Charlotte starts to put things together, like 33 years, the children going missing, the birds. She says that it's all, it must be all connected somehow. Yeah. Um, what are your thoughts on this scene? Well, so first of all, if you check the tapes, episode one, I said the birds were all dying because they were losing their sense of direction and flying into the ground, <laughs> which this, this coroner corrects. So that's another one on the board for Conrad. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> um, but hang on, hang on. Were they flying? I don't know if they were flying well, into the ground. Like, remember, so, rem- do you remember uh, whenever... When Egon was walking when around. When Egon was walking around in, in, the, in the forest, they, were just, they didn't look like they were flying into the car and stuff. Yeah, I, I did. I, I'm... I'm going to claim this because it gets I think me I'll, I, w- I will give it to you. I will give but it to you. I know you. what you mean. Like that, what, what this pathologist said didn't really jibe with what we'd actually seen happen. But yeah. for the purposes of me getting another one on the board, I'm going to, I'm going <laughs> to claim it. Yeah. Um, you can have it. It's yeah. It's interesting that, that she like, she's only sort of vaguely remembering it. Uh, I feel, I feel like if you've seen this happen, this sort of phenomenon happen more than once, I suppose when she was younger from what we've seen so far of the eighties, we've, she's only seen one or two dead birds with these markings, as opposed to what she saw, I guess it would be yesterday in this chronology where it's like hundreds. Uh, But um, I wonder whether there's some kind of memory altering stuff going on here as well uh, that's maybe making it difficult for her to recall it or whether it's just a case that, that it didn't stand out to her um, in the past and now she's kind of piecing it together. Yeah, but I, I, know, I know what you mean and she, well, the way she was speaking out, she did seem quite vague, but I think she brought out all the information that was available eventually there. She did remember everything eventually. Like she was talking yeah. about, yeah, like there wasn't anything that she at that age would have realized had happened that she didn't remember. Like she remembered the birds falling. She remembered the white spots. She remembered the children had gone missing at that time too. Yeah. Or more Mads had. So there wasn't really anything that she missed in terms of her memory. I no, don't that's think. true. I think um, it's interesting that they named drop Chernobyl again uh, twice in two episodes now, which um, I wonder if that's going to, that's going to play a more significant part. Uh, it certainly seems like the, you know, obviously the nuclear plant is going to be pretty key to to what's going on, at least in the immediate future. Um, but uh, yeah, it doesn't feel like they're they're name dropping Chernobyl just absently. 
yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely, uh, definitely going to be something to do with nuclear power. I think there it will be anyway. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so uh, not much anything to say about this, but Jonas is walking through the cave again. We'll check back in with him later. You stay in there, Jonas. Um, then we have Ulrich w- waking up in Mikkel's bed, which is quite tragic uh, in a way. Like you know, I can just imagine having a child missing and. I think this is exactly what you would do. You know, you would sleep in their bed whenever you, yeah, yeah. you've been out for three days looking for them. Um, so uh, Katarina's sitting there looking at him. We all know that there's more than one thing going on in Katarina's head. I'm sure she, this is a nightmare for her. Yeah. Um, she knows that he's cheating. She knows that her son's gone missing. Can't even imagine. Um, just to break all this tension, we do have a great poster on the wall. The oh great Mikkel. amazing. The great Mikkel Houdini. Such a good poster. I, I hope he made it himself. I, I believe he did. What I really enjoyed about this poster, sometimes when I watch watch films, I get really annoyed at small things, like small hills to die on, you know? Yeah. Um, I'm quite particular in that way, but there was, there was something that really annoyed me about certain shows, whenever they have pictures on the wall or they have like things kids made and the picture of the child is as if they took it that day. Yeah. The Mikkel in, on the poster is clearly a couple of years younger and that just, it just made me love it even more, you know? Yeah, it's just, it, it, I didn't, to be honest, I didn't notice that. But yeah, little things like that, they give the whole, uh, I guess the whole mise-en-scene a kind of verisimilitude to make it feel like it's a real place rather exactly, than just yeah. a set that yeah. some actors are acting in. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, right, what did you, uh, have you had any, anything to say about this scene with Katarina and Ulrich? Um, just what you've hit on really, like the, the Mikkel Houdini poster is amazing. And I, I find, yeah, the Katarina and Ulrich interactions brief that they are in this episode, really, um, interesting yeah. because I think they're very realistic for how a couple who are having like marital problems anyway, would deal with the loss of a child where they can't really comfort each other because they're both coming to terms with like the reality of their relationship or, or you know how their relationship is falling apart so they're just basically dying on the inside because they just have nothing to they have no one to turn to or nothing to cling to anymore mm-hmm. um so yeah it's it's it, you know we don't see them very much in this episode but what we do see of them is quite compelling yeah and i also will just maybe i'm sort of jumping the gun a little bit here but i wanted to do this before i forget um there is a great contrast between this scene and then the scene whenever Ali is missing later in the episode and uh, Peter and Charlotte, who we know haven't been sleeping in the same rooms. We know there's yeah. some, some sort of adultery in some way going on there maybe as well. But, mm-hmm. but at that moment, those two people truly come together, come together and, yeah. and, they, and Peter is comforting Charlotte in that moment. So the contrast there is really, um, it, maybe if this had happened a, a year before in the timeline, that wouldn't be happening because obviously Katarina's just found out and we know that Charlotte said something about a year ago, you made me a promise. So Mm. it is a different timeline in both of the relationships, but I just thought it was a cool contrast in the two relationships. Yeah, absolutely. Like, you know, I I think there's very deliberate uh, lines of comparison drawn between Charlotte and, um, and Ulrich in this episode. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's interesting to see how both of them deal with the potential uh, or the reality of one of their children going missing. Yeah, it's great. Uh, Right, then we get, I'm just going to go through, there's a sort of a, a, a couple of scenes in a row here that all add up, and I'm just going to go through them all at one time because um, it sort of is the best way to do it, I think. So we yeah. get, uh, Charlotte goes back to the um, back to the police station. Vola, the one-eye guy, he, yeah. sa- he says to her about, um, tire, uh, uh, says to her about checking the tracks or checking the something or other, the plates. I don't know what she's, he's checking. I think it's the tires he was checking. The tires, yeah. Oh yeah, the tires, yes. And uh, so he, she says, off you go. 
she then goes into her office. She sees that the time of disappearance was between 9.30 and 10.30, which matters because when she rings up uh, Peter, he says that he was at the op- office until 10. Yeah. So obviously he wasn't accounted for at that time. She also sees on the memory card that she stole, as Ali put it, uh, <laughs> she, he, she, she sees uh, Peter's car driving around that area at that time. Yes. Now, Peter then uh, obviously denies that. He says he was at the office. Um, this, I'm just going to say in terms of the, for the discussion now, I'll mention it now. There is extra scenes in a few minutes where Charlotte then goes around to a prostitute's caravan, it seems, uh, who I assume is a prostitute because I think they do talk about clients. Um, So then she asks, uh, has Peter been around? Uh, The prostitute puts together that... I'm going to tell you, the prostitute's name is Benny. Okay, I'll say Benny. So Benny uh, says, I never forget a... I'll let you fill it in. <laughs> yeah, uh, very explicit. Very explicit. Very explicit indeed, this scene. So, so that sort of puts into perspective about what Charlotte was hoping. It's really, really tragic. It's, again, really tragic. Charlotte was hoping that on the night of Mikkel's disappearance, that Peter was at the prostitute's place. Yeah. It, she was hoping that he was cheating on her again. That's so, I just, it's so moving that. I, I don't know why. It's, I, I've never actually seen something so nuanced in like a mystery crimey thing. It's really, really cool. I like that little touch. Yeah, I, I think um, there's a lot in Charlotte's performance in this episode. I think probably less less so in Peter's, although it's still good, but but Charlotte's kind of run, she runs the full gamut of emotions with Peter here from sort of, there are times where she seems like she's protecting him. So when uh, Vola is kind of picking up the, uh, the printout of... Um, of Peter's car yeah. that the wildlife cameras picked up and is kind of inquiring about what she's looking at. She doesn't want to tell him because she clearly, before she gets her husband in sort of legal hot water, she wants to sort of check it for herself to actually see what's happening rather than, mm-hmm. you know, rather than sort of betraying the trust of her marriage. Um, but at the same time, yeah, she's, you know, going to this prostitute to hoping that he has cheated on her um, rather than, being been involved somehow in this crime so yeah there's, there's a lot of really really good dramatic work between these two in this episode um and it's yeah it's it's fascinating this set of scenes and obviously the 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 the, the um the cutaway to show peter talking to her on the phone which i don't know if, if you want to get into after this but that was um that was really interesting as well because it, it kind of sets up charlotte for the rest of the episode really do you mean whenever he's got the red dirt on the cut but what yeah. yeah so so when he's like um when he's uh clearing out the i don't know what they're actually called the mats that go underneath your feet in the yeah. front of a car but um when he's sort of cleaning the red dirt out of one of those mm-hmm. so it's there's there's lots of different things going on here which i find really interesting so obviously there's a reveal that peter is bisexual or, or gay or well not interested in having sex with his wife anymore yeah which is kind of uh, the, the the core sort of schism in his relationship with Charlotte. But then there's also the fact that, well, we know the body that they found had red dirt uh, on the shoes and we know mm-hmm. that he had some of it in his car. So there's like this really interesting back and forth um, that's recontextualizing how we've seen him act prior to this mm-hmm. episode. You know, we saw him crying in his car when news about the... Um, the missing children was being read out and yeah. um you know recanting his um Al- alcoholics anonymous uh prayer and it's kind of 
each new time we see something about him it's saying oh was he just crying because you know he'd been sleeping with someone else and he felt guilty but then it's like no actually he did have red soil in his car so he is involved Mm -hmm. in this in some way Uh, and it's just yeah this really interesting back and forth which never never really resolves itself which is why it's a bit frustrating at the end of the episode but um but but it's it's definitely it it keeps it keeps its hooks in you yeah it definitely does and just to touch on something you said there, my analysis of that is exactly the same. Uh, something I hit on as well, the Alcoholics Anonymous uh, prayer, the uh, Serenity prayer, I think it's called. Um, yeah. uh, that is, as soon as you find out that actually he does, he is suppressing his sexuality in a way, like he's sort of living a lie, I suppose. Um, yeah. or maybe he's, he's in turmoil over his sexuality anyway. He doesn't really know what to do with it. It, it definitely, in an interesting way, recontextualizes that. Um, and it sort of, it implies that maybe he's actually sought help about it or maybe it's just because he's a therapist. He sort of knows the channels in which to try and help yourself. I'm, I'm not yeah, sure. I guess. I mean, I, I would assume that the, the, the dark does a, is very specific about kind of not showing you or thus far, at least not showing you these characters interactions with the wider world. Um, so I wonder if there are even channels for him to seek help about that within Mm. Finden, but possibly or yeah like you say maybe he just knows um you know the coping mechanisms for alcoholics and and drug addicts because he's a because he's a therapist yeah so maybe um yeah but definitely interesting we'll have to keep an eye on peter going forward um so next scene we get some more questionable behavior from a nielsen male uh we get magnus going on a nice little jaunt through the through through the through the woods keeping an eye on francisca he didn't even bring a ladder that's my main takeaway from that scene is you know that fence is far too he did bring a rug i'll give him that so he brought a rug so he could climb over the barbed wire but oh hang on hang on you're talking about ulrich oh yeah sorry which who are you talking about um, oh I'm this is magnus magnus following francisca <laughs> oh yeah that is also questionable like magnus throughout this is um yeah he's uh it's Magnus's behavior throughout this episode if i was in francisca's shoes i would not have ended this episode the way she ended it let's put it that way yeah, like actually we can talk about just in one big block if you want Magnus and Francisca's relationship. I find that, uh, as you say, like, so basically he goes, he sees her with money. He, he picks up money from a box in the middle of no, in the middle of train tracks somewhere. Yeah. Um, he then sort of follows her back to school. She is part of some sort of rhythmic gymnastic group. Yeah, I don't know what. Dancing rhythm dancing. Da- yeah, rhythm, ribbon, ribbon dancing. Um, so he's watching her through the window. He then goes and steals money out of her bag. Yeah. He comes back in. My note on this scene uh, where he comes back in after she's ribbon dancing um, is that Magnus seems to have a strange like ownership over Francisca. Yeah, he and def- I th- definitely does. I think that that on, on the face of it is very, it, it makes Magnus very unlikable. But I see it's really strange because it does, he's not unlikable to me because his, his brother's just gone missing. I feel like he's, he's becoming very protect- protective over the people in his life that he loves or he or i suppose he fancies um so he he probably is is in a state of mind where he thinks he needs to protect her obviously obviously i'm not not excusing he shouldn't go into a bag he shouldn't (laughs) be stalking her like absolutely not but i'm just saying i understand the motive of him wanting to protect her do you know what i mean yeah i i think yeah just to go back to it because i i kind of ruined your lovely setup of it by uh, thinking this was going to be the auric scene but the, you know, <laughs> so the the bit where francisca's walking through the woods which are they must be the noisiest woods in the entire universe but um <laughs> but they're really nicely shot and yeah i mean magnus's behavior i think 
he seems like someone like like you say it does seem quite believable i think his behavior it seems like someone who wants to trust francisca because he likes Mm her uh and he's kind of he's projecting that in a pretty unhealthy way by being like massively overprotective or maybe infatuated with her um but I don't think it's coming from a place of, of malice or, or perversion. I think he, he's just not um, kind of leveraging his emotions healthily, which is totally believable for someone whose br- little brother was kidnapped mm-hmm. uh, 36 hours ago. Um, but I mean, yeah, I, I really like, I really like their relationship. Uh, I think there's, I, I really like Francisca in general in this episode and Magnus. Mm-hmm. I definitely don't, I don't dislike Magnus. He's just behaving in a way that, in the kind of erratic way that I would expect someone to behave when they've, well, like his dad, I guess, you know, yeah. as we'll see in a second, like Ulrich is doing all sorts in the woods himself. Yeah. So Ulrich actually goes to the uh, power plant. As you say, he brings a blanket, which was pretty clever, clever of him. Smarter, smarter move than I thought he would. Well, yeah, um, but he doesn't bring a ladder. Like that fence is way too big. That's probably where he cut himself. Like, to be honest. Yeah, but that'd be, a bit, that'd be a bit conspicuous, wouldn't it? Like pulling the ladder out of his car, you know, walking <laughs> Yeah, the that's woods. true, yeah. He might have had to walk three miles. He wouldn't want to carry the ladder. Um, but uh, what did you think about the sort of... Now, the, my personal take on it is it's, it's just like a thematic sort of mirroring, I suppose, if you excuse the, the terminology there, uh, of the hooded figures. Yeah. So Ulrich is... They're very clearly trying to draw that imagery into Ulrich as well. Yeah, I, I think it's as you say, I think it's just reminding you of that imagery, not necessarily saying that Ulrich is um, related to those people, though, you know, maybe he is, maybe it is as explicit as that, but I think it's more just that sense Mm -hmm. that these people are out there and are kind of watching over everything that's happening in Vinden or or giving the impression that they are, and uh, by reusing that imagery, even when they're not present in the scene, it reinforces that. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think I would agree with that. Uh, so we then get uh, Jonas back in the cave. He hears something. Again, big, big, loud noise. Yeah. Um, it's, it quickly cuts away to Helga, who I think is saying something like TikTok. You need to tell him you know, general Helga stuff. He's saying the beginning is the end and the end is the beginning here, I think. Which okay. is, I was just like, ah, oh, what do you mean? Yeah, it's. I think that links back maybe to something HG, it will, who you think is HG Townhouse. At the yeah. beginning of the episode, I think he said something about maybe cycle. I'm not, I'm not sure. Something like that. It was something about the beginning of the end or anyway. Yeah. But uh, it sort of links into that a little bit. Um, Jonas then comes out of the cave, finds, goes back to his bike, and someone has left a red string on his bike. Yes. And I... So... <laughs> This entire episode, as I say, like there were, uh, well, as I said at the beginning, like I formed a couple of couple of wild theories throughout this episode. One wasn't really related to this episode at all, but more, it was me reflecting on this episode and what I've seen before. But the red knot and what happens with uh, Jonas and yeah, we can uh, talk about that right now. I don't mind. Well, when when the guy comes into Jonas's. Um, mm-hmm comes into yeah so there's basically there's two montages in this scene uh this is quite a short one but um in this uh, episode rather um and this is the shorter of the two but obviously he gets the red knot left we know that the guy who i'm going to refer to as noah because i think he is i think the, the the guy we've seen so far who set up the um set up the you know vanished mickle uh crime scene photos in in regina's hotel i think that guy is noah um Hang on, are you recanting a previous theory of yours? I, I may be. 
Okay, okay maybe okay. more more on that later. Okay, okay. Uh, <laughs> I like that. Um, so I think that guy's Noah, based on where we end up with this episode. But the the thing that's confusing me is okay, we know he's watching Jonas from afar, so he doesn't want to talk to him or interact with him, presumably. Yet he's, I think he's got to be the person who left this little red knot on Jonas's bike. Yeah, and he appears to be later in the episode well a he's coming into his home and knows exactly where the map is so that seems suspicious that he knows where it is in Jonas's yeah, yeah. room and then he's marking things on the map so yeah this is kind of what i mean about this episode being not not in a bad way but it's quite frustrating at the end of it because there's just so many questions left unanswered at the end of this episode um mm. And yeah, this was a big one. Like, how how is how is the guy who I I think is Noah and Jonas? How are they related to one another? Or like, what what does Noah want with Jonas? Yeah, interesting. Uh, cool. Uh, any you talked about earlier about how sort of the finding of the red dirt sort of leads Charlotte on the rest of the journey in the episode, sort of thing. So she goes around to a sort of a cabin in the middle of the nowhere, in the middle of the woods. <laughs> And she has a look inside. She finds the red dirt on the floor. Yeah. She then she then walks over and the bunk. We've seen then where the bunker is. That's where the bunker is located. Yeah. And she goes down into the bunker, um, and gets a call. Then Ulrich has been found at the nuclear power plant. But we'll get into that in a minute. So, what do you think about Charlotte's little ex- ex- escapade at the uh, at the at the at the cottage? The Doppler cabin. Um, the I should Doppler say as well, I, I think the phone call here is actually where the, uh, the coroner or the pathologist says to her, the birds died by flying into the ground. So, uh, Oh, yes, of course, yeah. But, uh, you know, still one on the board. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think this is really smartly shot because obviously this cabin comes back later but them not showing you what's in the cabin mm-hmm. and their use of negative space uh so when when charlotte walks into it and just looks around she kind of disappears into this yawning blackness and it's just very very tense um uh, and a really smart way to use the negative space on the screen um and obviously doesn't reveal anything to the audience as well um and then her there's there's a lot of questions here as well like what is this cabin (laughs) why why is it just some random cabin out in the woods why does it have what appears to be a kind of world war ii era bunker um set aside um that's completely empty it's yeah i don't obviously we know peter's been here he must have been so what was he doing in in that cabin uh with that boy and I guess that's probably where Charlotte's head is as well. But it's, yeah, there's so many questions. Yeah, there's a lot of questions. Uh, so obviously, like, you know, we know that we're in Germany. So that World War II-esque bunker might just be a World War II bunker. <laughs> that is true. Yeah. But it, but I mean, it's it looks like it's, well, the door isn't completely kind of likened over or rusted shut. So it looks like it sees some use and, and Charlotte knows it's there. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's, it's odd that there's just a bunker there that is at least kind of in use. And I think maybe she turns the light on. I can't actually remember. Yeah, now. she does. There is. Like, yeah. So there's still electricity. electricity to it. Yeah, there is. Yeah. Uh, cool. Uh, we get uh, Ali and her boyfriend, Yasin. Talking. Yeah. And Yasin's Alan- an idiot. <laughs> Yeah, he's an idiot. Like, well, I mean, she's entertaining him with the story about how snails uh, eat each other's genitals and stuff. Yeah, know. yeah. Her, her uh, the way she kind of play acts uh, a snail, a male snail having its penis bitten off and then becoming a girl snail is so funny. Like, yeah. she does a little kind of. I can't really do it for podcasts, but she does this little kind of hopping motion with her shoulders, and it's really funny. 
Yeah, yeah. Great physical actor. Yeah. Um, yeah, so then uh, she sort of says, oh, my mom will be here any minute now. So Yasin and his mom sort of tear away and then Ellie is left by herself. We then, uh, Charlotte actually got a call um, while she's in the bunker saying, oh no, maybe it was actually in the car. Yeah, she calls Peter and says, can you pick up um, Elizabeth because I have to go to get Ulrich basically from the nuclear power plant. <laughs> so we'll say more about the fact that the Ellie is not got no one to pick her up in a minute. Oh, actually, no, we can, we, we can speak about that now, I suppose. So Ellie actually ends up deciding to walk home on her own. Yeah. Um, she, we do, we see that she does have the lipstick. Yeah, of course she does. Great little reveal. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then she's walking, jumping, having fun in the puddles. Uh, and then we uh, see Helga walks out into the rain, into the, into the into the forest. Um, again, we see that means troubles troubles up. Um, Peter arrives at the school, gets told that the the teacher went home sick, so they got off early, and it's all very very o- ominous. What do you think? Yeah, I, I, I think um, Ellie finding the rider bar is a great little calling card. Although Noah and his gang, they're such, they're such bad litter bugs. I don't understand <laughs> why they're just littering all the time. It's so, it's so unnecessary. But um, yeah, it's a great little uh, kind of visual cue that something bad is potentially about to happen. Um, Ellie, yeah, as, as we said before, you know, she's immediately become quite likable in this episode so when you find out that something bad might be about to happen to her mm. it, it really ramps up the tension um yeah and, and as you've said as well helga going off on his own into the woods is normally a sign that something bad's going on because it happened um did it, wait did it happen no yeah he went wandering um off to the pta meeting at the school didn't he when when mickle yeah. went missing mm-hmm. um and uh yeah i was uh, slightly curious about there's like a tire an establishing shot of um helga's care home and one of them is a very quick shot of like a tire on a stick and i don't understand what's up with that but it's <laughs> something i noticed um, I mean, I'll, I'll have a look at that uh, later i don't know what you're talking about <laughs> but yeah it's really weird uh but yeah it's just a it's just a, a good way of really kind of kicking things into gear for the for the final the final um third of the episode yeah um what did you think about Ulrich being like a little scolded boy at the fr- in the front of the car with his head yeah. down? Yeah, he's like he he's sort of like don't you know don't tell me what to do, mum. Yeah, and um, then gets uh, he actually has quite a good monologue here. Um, oh yeah, when he finally where, where starts going at her. Yeah, yeah, yeah like because I suppose really it's been thirty six hours since Mikkel went missing. He's obviously not speaking to Katerina. So I guess he's probably not really been able to speak, like really rant at anyone about how he's feeling. Um, mm-hmm. So this is probably the first time he's opened up about it. Um, but it, it's a really good display of how helpless he feels and how angry that makes him, which um, is yeah really encapsulated in how he's behaved in the last, the last two episodes. Um, but it's mm-hmm. interesting to see how Charlotte behaves once it becomes a threat or a possibility that has happened to her as well, as opposed to Elric. Yeah, like um, before we get into the Charlotte, it's it's interesting. Ulrich has now sort of become what Jürgen was in the first episode. You know, we sort of see we sort of seen his uh, Jürgen Obendorf when Eric went missing. We've seen yeah. his, his trajectory into like the father. He, like, he's part of the police, but even he's saying no one's doing anything. 
you know yeah yeah um one thing i i did note in the scene in the car as well was um so Ulrich, I'd, i'm not sure whether he was actually being specific here or whether he was just talking generally but he was saying talking about alexander and saying why couldn't it have been his t- his son that was taken yeah um which i found interesting because i don't think we've met alexander's son yet or at least it hasn't been made explicit who alexander's son is um but i'm not, um, I'm not sure about that i'm not going to say anything just in case but I'm not sure about. I think we may have had clues through dialogue. Who is someone? Okay. Well, let me put it this way: Do you know who Alexander's wife is? Uh, let me think. No, I don't think so. Okay. If I was going to guess, I'd say it's Regina, but that's just because they seem like a match made in heaven. Okay, I will not say anything because clearly, then there hasn't been an ex- an explicit reveal. So we'll we'll let you experience that in your own time. Okay. Um, okay, so then we get the... Oh, obviously then Charlotte finds the uh, uh, Elizabeth's hat. Yeah. And then we sort of know something suspect's going on here. Um, I, don't really have, I don't really have much to add to there. Sort of the feelings there are quite obvious, I think. What do you, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, it's just, you know, it's the, it's the ticking clock, basically. You know, you find, yeah. find a hat, something bad has happened, and you know, based on what we've already seen, that that's normally a really bad sign that someone's going to end up. <laughs> Yeah, and and at, that, and at that as well, like you know, it's sort of if we're, if we're relating this back to a, a normal sort of crime mystery show, around this point in the series, is if there was going to be another occurrence, this is around the time it's going to happen. Do you know what I mean? So yeah, we're all once it happens, we're like, oh no, now it's ramping ramping up. Yeah, exactly. But of course, we find out through the part of the montage that actually Ellie is all right, and uh, Francisca Francisca comes in. And uh, we have Peter and Charlotte in each other's arms, comforting each other, yeah. um, which is very in stark contrast to in the same montage, Ulrich and Katarina standing apart from each other while Katarina vacuums. Yeah. And then Francis- Francisca-, Francisca comes in and then soon after, thankfully, Ellie returns. And when she returns, she very interestingly has a watch. And, yeah. and the, the pocket watch that she has, uh, she says that she got it from someone called Noah. And then she gives it to Charlotte and it's actually says inside for Charlotte. Yes. Um, also, we've also got the, the funny, the funny uh, moment where Francisca slaps Ellie. For having, yeah. <laughs> like I love, I, that was so, that was so realistic in terms of siblings. I think. Yeah. I, I, I 100, as someone with both a younger brother and a younger sister, I very much empathize with that <laughs> behavior. <laughs> just give yeah. him a little, give him a hug to let him know that you love them, but also give him a slap just to yeah. remind him who's boss. Yeah, exactly. So what did you think about the watch is my question. Oh, okay. Yeah. So the watch, I mean, we know that HG Townhouse loves a clock. Yeah. That's, that's been well established. And this looks like a, so he says that she used to have, she used to own it. And Ellie says that to Charlotte, I think. Or remembering that. I can't remember exactly the terminology, but did she say something like it says it's yours or something? Yeah. So I think my read of it was that it was something that maybe Charlotte had in her past that she lost mm-hmm. or, or something like that. Okay. Um, but, but yeah, my first, my gut instinct was that it was something to do with, um, what there's it was something to do with HG townhouse, um, maybe sending a clock with these hooded figures to, to, to give it to Charlotte. Why? I'm not sure. Um, but uh, yeah, this this uh, this montage was the moment that my future Mickle theory uh, kind of evaporated because <laughs> as soon as he said Noah, I was like, oh, 
damn it, that's probably who that guy is. Uh, with the, the probably who the hooded guy is. Um, uh, I'm trying to think. Yeah, so other notes I had on this montage: really good score as well. Mm-hmm. Like it, it sounded like the knife to me, like the band, the knife. I don't know if it was, but uh, yeah, it was really, really, um, really good. Good bit of music, and mm-hmm. yeah, the the hooded figure going into the cabin was was fascinating as well. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Going into the cabin, which we know is somehow related to the Doppler family. Peter's been there, adds in a load of intrigue. We then also, as I mentioned earlier, we get the stranger making a mark on the map. We're not quite sure what that was about yet. We also get Helga saying, I have to stop Noah. So now Helga is saying that he knows the name Noah. Yep. Um, And it's the first time he's kind of said that name. Yeah. Which is, I wonder if he said it before and they just haven't shown it to us, but it feels poignant. Yeah, it does. Um, and then the episode ends with um, Yasin uh, storming. I just love the idea of Yasin walking through the forest, talking. Like, I can imagine a child at that age like talking to themselves. Yeah. But because he is deaf and dumb, yeah. he's, he's talking to himself in sign language, which is great. Yeah. I did, I'd never thought about that before. And to be honest, this is a sign of uh how subtitles affect me i didn't notice that he was signing to himself and not talking until my second watch of this scene <laughs> i just didn't notice that he wasn't talking when the subtitles were coming up um yeah. but yeah I, I i also love the way that he's it, i'm sure this is just kind of a little throwaway thing but i love the way that he's wearing kind of 80s clothes as well like he's wearing high tops um mm-hmm. and it's yeah just a just a really cool way of mirroring what maybe is going to happen to him yeah, uh, cool. He sees like a little surfer dude. <laughs> it's not really a surfer dude, but yeah. he, he's on a bit of wood, so it looks like a surfer dude. Um, yeah. Sort of chiseled out of wood. Um, yeah, surfer acorn, man. Safer, yeah, exactly. And he picks it up, and then a hooded figure says, um, Noah sent me to get you, or Noah wants me to take you to him, or whatever. Um, so we can assume that Yasin is going to be taken now. So what do you think of the ending? Okay, so, right, <laughs> here we go. This is, leads quite nicely into the first of my theories, which is less serious, but I'm, I'm standing by it. So the fact that he says, Noah sent me and you must be Yasin, means that Noah has met, or, or Yasin has met Noah before, because he wouldn't say Noah sent me if, it, if the name didn't mean anything to Yasin. And we know from the end of the montage that Noah has met uh, Ellie now as well, and as and has you know let her go or or sent her to send her back to her parents or anything so there's some kind of uh, i think at the very least there's some kind of i don't want to say grooming because that sounds horrible but there's there's some kind of you know operation where these guys are getting to know these kids before trying to send them back in time or whatever it is they're doing to them Mm -hmm. but the the way the way that ellie smiled at the beginning of this episode and and like when uh when francisca accused her of like not as francisca said she didn't buy her deaf dumb thing and the way yasin kind of looks slightly evilly up at the figure when he says noah sent me (laughs) made me think that the kids are in on it so (laughs) so i'm standing by that maybe maybe the hooded figures run the deaf and dumb school yeah, where, maybe, and and maybe maybe they, maybe they uh, they make them all pretend to be deaf and dumb, and they make. Well, does the guy sign to Yasin? I can't remember if he does. No, he doesn't. Ah, uh, they they're not deaf and dumb. I'm calling it now. It's I all a plot. It's all a play. Oh boy. But, but, okay. But you could also just take that that he actually doesn't really he doesn't know Yasin, and he and he doesn't actually know that Yasin can't understand what he's saying. Yeah. 
that's true but my my theory is more fun <laughs> so <laughs> okay fair enough so i'm going with the the young kids are in on it and there's some kind of machiavellian plot to kill all the adults in vinden going on here um but uh yeah no it's it's uh it's fascinating um that little that uh little little sort of reveal at the end with noah um yeah and as you said before him going into Jonas's room and marking stuff on on the map and the the voiceover from i guess is hg tanhouse again talking about the string of ariadne which is the mm-hmm. the the string that ariadne gave theseus to help him escape the labyrinth um well, which to, help, definitely... to help him to help him find the center of the labyrinth yeah yeah well for, oh, yeah, to help to him get out after he yeah okay yeah, yeah so he put, right. he put the string down he, he found the yeah. center killed yeah, killed yeah. the minotaur and then and then got out the again to get out yeah so it's uh yeah that that definitely ties into the kind of labyrinthine nature of the caves but maybe also the sort of uh, more or less corporeal labyrinth of time as a concept I, it's mm-hmm. yeah it, it all it all start the, the questions posed here don't really get answers which is why my like at the end of this i was like what what's happening it's really frustrating <laughs> but it's um but it definitely makes me want to watch the next episode yeah fantastic right do you want to get into the roundup yeah sure Well, Conrad, overall thoughts of this episode? Okay, so it was it was good. I think it's probably the probably the weakest of the of the first four, which is not to say it's, it was a bad episode, but it was just it, there was less uh, action's probably not the right word for it, but there were there were less kind of plot developments in this. It was, had a slightly slower pace yeah. in the first three episodes. But with that said, I really enjoyed the the interaction with the the Doppler family um, and getting to know more about their characters. Mm-hmm. And um, obviously I haven't gone into one of them yet, but I, <laughs> I came out of this episode with one wild theory that I'm going <laughs> to cling to. What, and, not, uh, not, not the Noah theory? Or is that, that the one you're referen- referencing? What, so Noah, who Noah is, do you mean? Yeah, is that one of your theories? Well, yeah, so I think, I think that guy's Noah. That's, I guess that is one of my theories. Yeah, I was thinking more about the kids being evil and in on it. <laughs> that's, that's, that's my that's my. I didn't my, realize. My okay, theories. so you are, you are sort of definitely going with that. <laughs> I'm sticking to my guns on that until proven otherwise. <laughs> okay. and, uh, but uh, yeah, I haven't gotten into the other one yet. I don't know when you want to, to go through that. But uh, uh, well, What we'll do first is do my... Uh absolutely pointless comparison of imdb ratings and then <laughs> then we can do it all right so, nice so but, uh, um, yeah it was generally it was a good episode though i enjoyed it yeah so the people of imdb um have spoken nine thousand or eight thousand three hundred votes uh 8.4 they gave this which straight off the bat i'm going to remind you secrets was 8.3 8.2 present past and present the last one was 8.7 and then they went back to 8.4 i disagree with that out the gate for me it's it's not the second best episode so far i don't think no i i I mean ten thousand people can't be wrong um (laughs) (laughs) no i i think this is probably the worst episode so far which you know again is not to say it's a bad episode and i i hesitate to use the word worst you know yeah it's because because when you say when you use negative words like worst people assume you're hating like it no it's 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 it we could say that it was the least best yeah yeah sure like we'll use positive reinforcement it was the least good episode but that's still you know still very uh, it was still really good i still wanted to watch the next episode i would probably say maybe high sevens for this is where i'd probably land on this like 7.8 ish is probably what i what i put it at cool yeah i would agree with you um 
Okay, and you, to be honest with you, your opinion matters more than anyone else because you're actually watching this weekly. No one else in the world has watched this weekly. I'm telling you that. So yeah, you're, you're <laughs> I'm watching actually... it as if it came out in like 1987. Yeah. Like, wait, when did it? When did they go back in time to? 1986. Yeah, yeah, there we go. So you you actually are able to give a genuine a genuine rating of each episode, which no one else can do, which is great. Yeah. Um. Okay. So big theory. Go. Okay. So I I was thinking about this on my second watch through because obviously i found out that there is a noah and i'm pretty sure it's the guy who i've been referring to as future mickle up until this point um because because we've seen that guy's face and we get to have a name for that character so my current theory this isn't the big theory but my my current theory for that guy is that that guy's name is noah which then makes made me wonder okay who is mickle because he must have he's gone back in time so he must have grown up to be someone so you're gonna have to bear with me for a second here right so at the beginning of the episode we got celtic knots which leads into yggdrasil mythology about nine world stuff okay and and the tree the world tree which enos has on her tree box um and then I started, uh, I was just thinking about Enos and Mikkel's relationship. And I was like, oh, they're very like kind of maternal, like uh, the, the, the relationship that those two have, considering they just met each other. So then I went on a YouTube, uh, not a YouTube, a Google uh, deep dive, looking up what people's names meant. And I was like, okay, we know that Enos doesn't have children at the point that Mikkel turns up in the 80s. And then I Googled what Mikkel's name means, and it means gift from God. Uh-huh. And I'm pretty sure that Enos is going to effectively adopt Mikkel and that he becomes Michael. That's, right. And then, and then I went on a further deep dive and I was like, okay, so we know I'm pretty sure Mikkel becomes Michael. What does Mads's name means? And that also means gift from God. So I think Mads got sent back in time to become someone else's son and is then one of the grown-ups in 1986. So that's where I am at the moment. But that's my, I, I, I feel like I might be right on this, but that's, that's where my theory has gotten me to so far. Interesting. That's one of my favorite theories of yours. Yeah, I, I, I could be completely wrong, but I like but the fact you have, honestly, if you could have been with me when I was like, okay, I'm going to go look up what Mickle means. Typed mm-hmm. into Google, Mickle meaning gift from God. I was like, oh boy, here we go. <laughs> We're off to the races here. <laughs> what does Enos mean? I didn't look up Enos, actually. It probably means lovely. So you looked uh, up one name, decided on your whole theory of no, like, you know the ones research I looked up? over. I, no, I looked up, I'll tell you the ones I looked up. I looked up Mickle. I looked up Mads. I looked up Egon. I looked up, uh, what's, the, what's um, Helga's dad's name? Burnt. Burnt, yeah. I think. Burnt, yes. That means bear. And I looked up Tronty. Ooh. I didn't look up any of the women, which probably makes me a massive show. Tr- I love how you, in your mind, it's <laughs> Tronty. <laughs> Yeah, I know it's Chonta, like that. I'm going to call him Chonty from now. On. <laughs> but um, yeah, those those are the only names I looked up. For some reason, that was enough for me. Okay, cool. Um, I think like you, you're saying that it's based on looking up names and stuff. Your theory, but I think you've actually grounded that theory in some really cool stuff in the show, like Enos's relationship with Mikkel. It seems like it's uh, it's not the craziest theory you've come up with, in my opinion. Even though it does yeah, seem crazy. I just, I mean, I think. Yeah, it could still be wrong, but it's just that Enos is, Enos is obviously very protective over Mikkel already. We've seen seen that much. And she seems like, we know she doesn't have children, but she also seems quite maternal generally, like she would be a good mother. Um, 
and you know the question remains how where did michael come from we don't know and we know that mickle got has, has gotten stuck in the past now obviously this <laughs> does poke some holes in my theory that mickle is definitely going to get back to his correct timeline because <laughs> uh it well uh, un- unless we count aging 30 years and becoming michael as getting back to his correct timeline. Well, he, to, but, to be honest to be honest with you if your theory is correct he didn't because he died four months before or five months before mickle went missing that's true yeah so he didn't actually yeah. ever return to that timeline yeah, that's true. But um, yeah, that's what I'm, my, my future Mickle theory, uh, being the hooded guy, is no more. This is now the theory I'm clinging to. Okay. Um, out of curiosity, uh, you've, you've already decided you, you, you don't like the future Mickle theory in terms of the uh, stranger. <laughs> when do you think you're going to get an answer for the, the, the sort of, not, not just uh, the Mickle theory, but also the whole, the, your new Noah theory? when's your in your mind when do you think they're going to give you these answers i with with noah i i wouldn't be surprised if there are some things that are just never answered because they're not they're not like um they're not as important as i initially think they are so uh mickle mickle becoming michael if that is correct i think that'll probably be answered by the end of this season would be my guess okay that seems like a fairly natural kind of time for this that to be revealed but the noah thing i wouldn't be surprised if noah is this kind of you know like in uh inspector gadget how you never actually saw the claw (laughs) like i wouldn't i wouldn't be surprised if like noah occupied that kind of territory in this where he's just this unseen machiavellian evil that manipulates things from the shadows okay yeah i like that um all right pretty cool pretty cool um so we'll just have to wait and see i suppose uh i'm really interested by that now because i as things get revealed throughout the show i just i love the idea of i love the idea that we're all in on your theories so like (laughs) you can laugh at me i just know that everyone i think i think someone put in uh the comments i can't remember who it was they put in the comments uh saying something like whenever conrad's going through a theory or speaking does anyone else smile evilly (laughs) (laughs) Nice. As a sign that I'm getting a lot of stuff wrong, then, but I'm happy <laughs> yeah. to get it wrong. Yeah, but I'm, I'm looking for I'm looking forward to hearing your. Uh, well, I'm looking forward to some of these mysteries being solved, so that even just us as friends can talk about it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. Like, I'm I'm glad that we agreed at the beginning of this not to like for you for you not to confirm when i got something right because it you know i, I want it i want to get the answers to these questions when the show determines that i should get them or yeah. you know not at all because if you don't get the answer it means it probably wasn't that important yeah but you also are assuming that you've got something right <laughs> that's true yeah that is true i always assume i'm right until proven wrong yeah exactly you'll notice i was i was 100 percent confident in my future mickle theory until yeah. i reflected on this episode <laughs> it's like ah oh, balls that guy's probably noah yeah okay what the dub this week for what the dub uh i have pinpointed a w- use the use of one word in particular oh wow um and i'm pretty sure that it was just I don't know. I don't know how to approach this because it seems like they overthought it, right? So basically, it's a scene in the in the changing room when Magnus and Francisca are there, and Magnus shows Francisca the money and says, "Like, you know, what's this?" Right? Yeah. And she says, in the subtitles, she says, "Money, you idiot! My <laughs> yeah. my my money!" Right? Which makes that translates perfectly into my mind as an English speaker. Fantastic, right? In the dub, <laughs> the 
just prepare yourself here, Conrad. She says, money, you schmuck. <laughs> I was telling you now, all right, this what the dub segment. In the first episode, Alexander was voiced by a gangster. In the third episode, like a New York gangster, in the third episode, they were referring to Tronta as Tronti, which is like a prohibition era gangster. And now they're calling people schmucks. Yeah. <laughs> which is I guess is more kind of like Jewish American than gangster. But still, was, was this written by like this this uh the dub was written by Woody Allen or something? Like I know. That? What I do not get it. Like uh oh, it's just crazy. I just that that word just it just didn't fit. Uh, it was just great. It was, Schmuck. Yeah, it was like obviously it's a Yid, it's a Yiddish word. Yeah, like, it just didn't make any sense. Like, <laughs> oh, that's so funny. And, and it, like, can you imagine a character less likely to say the word schmuck than Francisca, who's like sixteen? <laughs> you know, actually, this is really off topic. Well, it's on topic, but off topic. You know what I mean? I was watching the film Moana with my son today, and this just rem- randomly both things happened to me in the one day. The schmuck thing in dark. But also, <laughs> this is Maui in in uh, in Moana uses the word bupkis. Bupkis, a Pacific Islander. <laughs> uses Never the, met a Jewish person in his life. Yeah, bupkis. <laughs> so it just, it just reminded me of that. Um, also, in this scene, I just wanted to point out, like in in the German uh, and sub subtitled version, the idea of having uh, homemade marmalade sounds you know really great. Yeah, but whenever you translate into an American accent and start talking about, I don't believe any Americans make homemade marmalade. No. Oh, actually, that brings me on to an interesting point. In the in the dub, did they say jam or did they say marmalade? They said marmalade, because obviously the German, the like Francisca actually says marmalade, but the the subtitles say jam. Jam and marmalade aren't the same thing. No, no, they're not. They're definitely not the same thing. Like you know, if someone offers me jam on toast absolutely go crazy if someone yeah. offers me marmalade on toast like get out of here yeah exactly what paddington bear called yeah. but, <laughs> but what I, I why are they making these decisions in the dub <laughs> yeah. who is this person making these it's, decisions? Yeah, this 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 wild-minded person who's making creative choices that can completely change the meaning of sentences and tone of sentences it's absolutely crazy also just uh, as another follow-up point who in that Doppler house? Now, I'm very serious about this. Which one of the Dopplers is making homemade marmalade? Uh, it's got to be Peter. Oh, it's yeah. got to be Peter. Peter it's, is the one. It's not Catherine. It's not Sir Charlotte, rather. Like, it's, uh, you still got I'm, Catherine. I'm, I'm, right. uh, you have no, I literally wrote Catherine every single time in my notes. And then when I was reviewing it, I was like, it's not Catherine. I need to stop doing it. <laughs> um it's it's peter peter is making the marmalade yeah my my mind went to peter too to be honest with you uh maybe him and ellie make it together but it's yeah but ellie does all the work like peter just like (laughs) peter like messes up the ipad by getting marmalade all over it and like generally kind of makes a fool of himself while ellie actually actually does the hard work yeah and tells him off as well yeah (laughs) okay awesome a stranger from the outside Okay, this week we've got a load of YouTube comments. Remember, if you want to ask uh, a question to Conrad about episode five, make a comment underneath my pinned comment at the top. Now, there has been one or two people who didn't make a comment underneath my pinned comment. This week, they're lucky because I actually did go and make sure to check. Um, but as we're going on through the weeks now, there's, been, there's more and more comments. I think there was 100 comments when I looked at them on this, on this, uh, this video, on the, on the previous video. Uh, so it is going to be harder to, to find them as we go on through the week. So please, 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 if you can get the comments underneath my pinned comment, I don't want to, I don't want to leave anyone out. I'd hate for you to watch 
the episode and 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 be left out. So I'll try as much as I can to find them. But so there are a couple who got in this week. But I'm just just to help your, yourselves, please don't do that. So unfortunately, there's been way too many questions to cover in this video. So what I'm going to do in order to keep this video below two hours, <laughs> I'm going to upload a separate video um, on Saturday. So I like the idea of answering everyone's questions because it will draw things out of Conrad, which otherwise wouldn't be drawn out of. So I want your guys, uh, I want you guys to have a say in how Conrad views this show. So I don't want it to be us forgetting people's comments or just cherry picking them at least not at this stage when, when I'm, I'm i'm leaving out five questions or so so rather than uh have a two-hour podcast we'll have an extra video if for some reason we get to the point on episode 12 or whatever where i have a hundred comments to choose <laughs> well then i'm just gonna have to pick, uh, cherry pick at that point but i think this week we'll do an extra video just to make sure that all your comments are heard and we get extra thoughts from conrad what do you think conrad yeah it sounds like a good plan to me well with that being said uh i think that's us done this week conrad yeah, I'm, uh, I'm very much looking forward to watching more of this and, uh, and seeing my theories get further blown to pieces by, by future revelations. Yeah, how funny would it be if the only theory that you get properly right is the kids are evil and they're plotting everything? Uh, I, I'm already convinced that's right. Don't worry, that one's, that, <laughs> I've got that one tucked in the top pocket. That's safe. That's great. Uh, <laughs> all right, guys. So uh, next, mo next Monday, you'll catch us talking about episode five, uh, which is a great episode, Connor, just to let you know. I think that might even be one of the top rated of this series on IMDb. Not that that means anything, but you know what I mean. Uh, so make sure you get your comments for Conrad about episode five underneath this video. Uh, check, look out for the extra comments and uh, questions video coming out on Saturday. Uh, apart yep. from that, I think we just have to say goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye, everyone. Thank you for listening to the After Dark Podcast. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss an episode.